So uh, if you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 19 and Romans chapter 10. Luke chapter 19 and Romans 10. Uh, we just want to let you know as you're turning there that our staff is gathered here and those who are part of our worship team and we're praying uh, for you and with you and we're going to devour the word of God uh, together uh, this moment. Uh, so as we're uh, finishing up a series that I've been in called uh, Seek and Save, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Pastor Dylan shared a message called Advancing the Kingdom. And I kind of want to give you part two of that. Uh, anybody uh, like me, I think what we've been experiencing as a community is a reset. An opportunity to have our priorities just put back into uh, alignment with what they should have been all along. I, I saw uh, in, uh, social media is a quagmire of people going crazy because they don't know what to do with themselves. And also people having a little bit of revelation. I saw that uh, someone posted, says, uh, you know, I think that we should have probably learned a little more about hunting and fishing and gathering and gardening and canning and doing all of those kind of things because we're really gonna need to know how to do that kind of stuff. And I thought, amen, amen. I, I, I agree with that. Uh, and the venison in my freezer agrees with that. I was like, thank you, Lord, that there is coming some revelation. Now, listen, those are practical things that we're, we're called to learn and to do. But you know, there's a spiritual reset where people are actually just coming alive to the fact that there, there's some things we should have learned to do far before uh, this moment where, where everything is shut down. And I want to say to you that this sermon today is about a reset. Matter of fact, this, this last sermon in this series, it's actually so simple, but it will cause you to have to confront some things, especially right now. You're going to have to come up against the tide of everything that is pushing people to isolation. And so I want to I share uh, this, this final message in this series called Seek and Save. And I believe it will be a blessing to everybody who is watching and listening. So in this time of an advancing kingdom, here's what you need to know. The greatest thing in the news right now is the COVID-19 crisis. But the greatest thing that you need to know is that in every nation that has been touched by this crisis, there is great revival. There is great revival, and many people are coming to the Lord. Many people are giving their lives to Christ. And I want to encourage the church to literally, that you would be filled with courage in this hour, that this is not the hour to shrink back. This is not the hour to just isolate behind a screen. This is the hour to do those things which are necessary, and while you are doing the necessary, do what is necessary in the kingdom. Now, uh, 
you know, if I was uh, just a, you know, a kind of a pat on the back kind of preacher, I, I, I thought, you know what, this would be the perfect week to preach a feel-good message called like, I am essential, you know? You know, everybody wants to be essential right now, right? Well, let me just tell you, uh, I don't have that message for you, but I do have this message. You are essential for the kingdom. And God has called you in this time and this place to advance his kingdom. Now, Jesus, when he walked the earth, he told everybody what he was giving himself to do. And it was this in Luke 19.10. It says, the son of man came to seek and to save that which is lost. Listen, that mandate doesn't change because of, of everything the government is saying. Listen, that mandate does not change. This is our mandate here at Calvary to be a thriving local church that makes a global impact. And we are going to do just that, thriving. That means full of life, not full of fear, not full of angst, not full of worry, but full of life. And Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Somebody needs that word today. You need to stand on John chapter 10, verse 10. It's the enemy that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give you super abundant life. We just need to receive that by faith. And I mentioned this quote last week. And it bears repeating, a scared world needs a fearless church. That's A.W. Tozer. That's when, when the world is shaking, what do they need? They need a church who is willing to respond. And do you know that the church has always responded in the midst of plague? Always responded in the midst of these kinds of things. The church has always been the one that goes to the front line to rescue, to, to minister, to believe God. We've always been that people, and I believe that God wants us to continue to be that people. Never forget this. This study that was done uh, not too long ago by Lifeway Research, that 80% of people believe that it is our responsibility to share the gospel, but 60% of people hadn't shared the gospel with somebody in the last six months. And can I tell you that right now we are in a special time? This is a special time where people are searching for answers because everything that we've been relying on is gone. And people are looking for something to build their life upon. And we have a special opportunity to step into. And there is good news. Jesus said this word. Listen, the church is not shrinking back. Listen to me. Let me make a bold declaration. The church is not shrinking back. The church will not close. The church is not going away because Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The, the, listen, the enemy is not going to prevail. And we need to get this in our spirit, live full of faith and full of God's word and say, this church will advance. I'm going to make that bold proclamation. And I'm praying that everybody online, Calvary Church in Inverness, Florida, will advance. We are stepping forward. We're moving deeper into the things of God, deeper in the love of God, deeper in the way that we love this community, deeper and more, more prevalent as a voice to this region. We're advancing. But how do we participate? This is the real question. How do we participate? And I'm going to give you a little bit of review, but here are the scriptures. Romans chapter 10, verse 1. 
The apostle Paul says this to the Romans. He says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Let me just stop there. And it says, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel, the whole nation, is that they be saved. Do you see the Apostle Paul is longing for uh, uh, the nation of Israel to come to God? It's like they have a knowledge of God, but they don't know him. And much of America is the same way. And we as the church, we need to have a desire that America would experience revival. That America would experience an awakening. And I know that people within this congregation and our extended friends and family, man, you're experiencing a stirring right now by God's spirit. You're experiencing some new things where God is moving powerfully in your life. It needs to be our desire to see America revived. Some people have thrown up their hands and say, well, we're just waiting on the return of Christ. Everything's just going to get worse and worse. Listen, that's not my desire and that's not my prayer. God needs to awaken us as a church, fill us full of faith and say there will be people saved and America will fulfill her destiny of carrying the gospel around the world. So we have this heart, he has this heart's uh, desire and prayer that the whole nation would come alive to God through Christ. And then in Romans 10, verse 12, we find out how we do this. It says, for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich, I love this, to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Let me just give you a couple of the highlighted points uh, from Uh, Part one of this message that Pastor Dylan uh, spoke. He said, what do we do as a church? That's what part one was all about. What do we do? First, we desire and we pray. We desire and pray. Listen, every day at 9 a.m., there will be a broadcast of prayer where we are partnering with heaven to see God's kingdom advance. Listen, it is that important. When you go and read 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13, and 14. You read 13 and you find out that there's a famine in the land, that there's no rain, there's famine. And then there was locusts that came. And by the way, that both of these have happened worldwide on a global scale. And then pestilence comes. Then God says, if my people will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven. And then I will heal their land. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, part of of seeing a national awakening and a shift and a change take place is taking your place in prayer. We have to take our place in prayer. This isn't an optional thing, by the way. And this isn't, this isn't something that, that uh, this isn't a heaven or hell issue uh, for a believer. You're saved by grace. You're saved because of what he's done. That's not it. It's God inviting his bride to participate in what he desires to do. 
And, and when you look at it that way, you understand, man, God wants to be with me. He wants to share his heart with me. So I desire what he desires. And then I pray his desires on earth. And I say, God, Lord, let it be on earth just as it is in heaven. And so we want to desire and pray. So join us uh, 9 a.m. Monday through Friday, uh, right online, and then also Wednesday night. So don't miss Wednesday night at 6.30. Now, the, the next thing that we do is we desire and we pray and then we send. And we've been, this whole uh, month of March was all about missions. And I, and I want to say, uh, if you haven't yet made a, a faith promise connected to missions, uh, we need you now more than ever. Uh, I, I actually see our missions department uh, being almost like a benevolent ministry. There are people around the world. One of the missionaries uh, that I know personally in Belgium, his wife uh, got uh, caught the uh, COVID-19 virus. And uh, she's recovering as they're treating her in, in Belgium. But uh, I, I'm telling you, these people are on, their, their lives are on the line. And, uh, and so we are praying for her. We're seeing good things happen uh, for her. So uh, if anybody knows Tom Benegas and, uh, uh, and his wife Phyllis, uh, Phyllis, we're praying for you and believing God for your total healing and restoration. And so um, uh, what I want to say is that this is the moment to support missions. Here's, here's why. There's like seven and a half plus billion people on the planet. And about a third of those have never heard the accurate gospel of Jesus Christ. There are people that if you were to walk up to them today and say, have you given your life to Jesus? They would say, who is he? Who is he? And so we need to be convinced that what we need to do from Romans chapter 10 as a church is desire and pray and sin. And then what do we do personally? We preach. We preach. I know, I know some of you are like, I don't, well, I'm not a preacher. Yes, you are. You not preaching is preaching a message. It is. It's preaching a message. Your silence is saying something. So we're all preaching. It just depends on what message are you conveying. So what do we do? We preach. That's what the church does. When you've been transformed by Christ, it's hard to keep in. It's hard to keep in. It'll be like, it, like the prophet said, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. I want to tell people about Christ. I'm looking for those opportunities. This is what we do as a church. We desire and pray. We send and we preach. We desire and pray. We send and we preach. Some of you need to say that. Say it out loud in your living room. We desire and pray. We send and we preach. This is what we do. But what happens after we do what we're called to do? This is where Romans keeps going. And this is what I want people's faith to be stirred over in this moment. What can we expect when we are faithful to live these principles? Listen, expectation is a powerful, powerful thing in the kingdom of God. And so I, I just want every one of you, as you're listening to these, to mix these points with the seeds of expectation. 
that you would actually begin to expect to see what the word reveals. Now, you ever expected to receive something? You ever get that anticipation, that excitement? The, I mean, it, it's like Christmas morning every day. Like, I, I, you know, when you live in expectation with God, you wake up in the morning, you just think, God, what are you going to do today? What are you going to do? How are you going to move? How are you, who do you want to touch? What door are you going to open? How are you going to surprise me today? You just live in a sense of expectation. While you're living those principles of desiring and praying, of sending and of preaching, you live in expectation. And these are the things that you can expect to happen. First, the lost hear the message. The lost hear the message. And I know that this seems so simple to so many people, but this is a time of reset. We need to get back to the foundation of everything. We can't just say, oh man, I've got this one. I need some deeper revelation on, you know, uh, 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 about the high priest Melchizedek. No, you don't. You need to learn how to preach the gospel and you need to learn how to see the kingdom expand through your life. You don't need to understand the ashes of the red heifer yet. Okay, you need to understand this glorious gospel that has changed your life and that will change others. And when you live this, it will actually, the first thing that happens is the loss of the message. Look at Romans 10, 14b. It says, and how shall they believe in him of, who, of whom they have not heard? How can they believe in him of whom they've not heard? Now listen, we can, talking about expectation, Expect an audience when you're bold about Christ. Expect an audience. I don't, I, I, I just, uh, so many of us think, you know, the worst thing when we think, I'm going to, I'll, I'll go out there and I'll try it again. You know, we think to ourselves, I remember when I was just some little kid, I went out with my tracks and nobody would take my track. They took my track and threw it on the ground in front of me. And I walked away so defeated. You know, maybe you were one of those people that stood on the side of the road with a sign that said, hell is hot. And you're like, man, this witnessing stuff doesn't work. By the way, you can do all of that if you want to. But there's lots of ways to witness. There's lots of ways to preach the gospel. Including partnering with the Holy Spirit. So... We can expect an audience. Listen, you need to write this down. Never partner with the lie that no one will listen to me. Never partner with that lie. That is a lie birthed in hell. Because we see in the scriptures that when people begin to lift up their voice for the gospel, people listened. Some people will. Not everybody. But some people will. When you're bold to share the message. When Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and, and shared the truth, listen to how bold this message was on the day of Pentecost. Around the people who wanted Jesus dead, who, who, who literally oversaw the crucifixion of Christ, who shouted, crucify him. In, the, in those people's ears, Peter is preaching. And now listen to what he says. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly 
God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. Boy, he didn't, he didn't sugarcoat it. I don't think that one's going into the comfortable uh, message file. Whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Notice these words. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? It says, there was a boldness that came upon Peter to live these first principles that we see here from the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 10. And as a result of living this principle to stand up and preach, listen, he wasn't waiting for another day of qualification. He would never have them. He was a fisherman found by Christ who had denied Christ three times but now has been filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, a boldness comes. There's somebody watching today, you need a real baptism in the Holy Spirit. You haven't been preaching because you've been baptized in the spirit that's in the world you, you're not sharing you're baptized in the news you're baptized in, in 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 all of the fear but when you get baptized in the holy spirit a boldness comes they show up together so he stood up there and shared the truth boldly in the face of persecution and uncertainty and many listen have you ever done that have you ever done that? It's incredible whenever you do. I, I remember this time. Now, this, this is a story that I'm telling uh, in the middle of the COVID-19 crisis to show how different today is than just a few days ago. I was in uh, Walmart, and there was this uh, uh, lady who was checking uh, myself out, and I had a family member with me, and um, uh, I, was, I was there, and I noticed she was working sick. And I know right now you're like, oh, what? She was working sick. Yeah, that's what people did a few days ago. Okay, they just went to work. They needed a paycheck. But I noticed she was sick. And here's what I also noticed. I also noticed nobody else noticed. Nobody else noticed that she was sick. And nobody else cared how she was feeling. And so the line was ridiculous because Walmart, you know, it's a great idea to have 25 places to check people out and two lanes, okay? That's Walmart. And, but I see this girl, and uh, I, as I'm approaching, I see that she's sick, and the Lord says, pray for her. I mean, the line is ridiculous. It's crazy. But I'm just like, you know what? The Lord told me to do it, so I'm going to do it. And I said, hey, uh, before, you check, just before you check all of this out, I, I see that you're sick. And she's like, oh, yeah, I feel terrible. And I say, you know what? Um, I, I, just, I just love God, and God loves people. And so do you mind if I pray for you? It looks like you could need a miracle. She says, uh, yeah, I guess. That's okay. She, she, like most people, didn't understand that I meant right then. You know, She thought I was just being the little Christian thing. Oh, I'll pray for you. You know what that means? I'm a liar. That's really what that means. I'm a liar. I'm a liar. That's, what that, that's really what. When you tell somebody, I'm going to pray for you, and you walk away, here's what it means. I'm a liar. Because you don't do that. So what you need to do is you need to be bold and expect that God is going to move when you step out in faith and the lost will hear. I begin to pray for her, lay hands on her, and God touched her. She was like, oh. <gasps> Wow, that was amazing. When I said, in Jesus' name, 
Amen. No joke. No joke. Four guys back. I wasn't even looking because I knew there were some people so mad at four guys back. A guy with like a veteran hat. He had it over his heart. And when I said amen, he said, amen. Four people back. You know, I'm like, this is revival. What does that mean? You can expect an audience if you will boldly share Jesus. You can expect an audience. But you, you can't just say, well, nobody's going to listen to me, so I'm not going to pray for her. I, nobody will let me do that. Yes, they will. Not everybody, but some will. But how can they believe if they never hear? If they never know that there's a Jesus who saves and heals and restores and fills? We, as the church, in this hour, when everyone is saying, Shut up behind the walls. Don't say anything. Don't interact with anybody. Don't do these things. Here's what the church needs to do. I need to live by the mandate of the word of God. That I need to love people. I need to reach people. And I need to do what the word says for me to do. To desire, to pray, to send, and to preach. And my life is going to be given to that. And I am going to see the lost listen. I can expect that. Because we see it in God's word. And God is softening hearts and opening ears to hear the gospel right now in a unique way. People, your reach is different than mine. And so please, today, consider these words and allow it to shape your existence. I'm not telling you to do something foolish. I'm not telling you to walk in rebellion. What I am telling you to do is to be led by the Spirit so that in this hour, the lost can hear. The second thing that we can expect when we do what we're called to do is the lost believe in Jesus. The lost believe. First they hear, and then the lost believe in Jesus. Romans 10, 14 says, How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Why do they, what, what do they believe? What do they believe? You know, what, are we, what are we actually sharing with them? That Jesus is the only Son of God crucified to pay the price for our sins. That he was buried and raised from the dead. That is what we're sharing. They believe that Jesus came to die and to pay the price for our sins so we can be in right relationship with God. That is what they are to believe. And the Apostle Paul shares in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 probably some of the most uh, clear things ever preached. This is of first importance, so you should always highlight this in your Bible. Write it down. Say, what should someone believe if they haven't uh, come into relationship with God? What do they need to believe? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. This is what the apostle Paul received as the gospel. Here it is. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures. Listen, uh, let, me just, let me just say, there's three things there that, that you need to be, believe. That Christ, it is that Christ died. Not just a man, not just some uh, figure in history, Christ. The word is Christos in Greek, 
it means God's anointed one. It means God's anointed son that he died. Not only did he die to shed his blood as payment for our sins, I love this, he was buried. You say, why is it important that you know that Christ was buried? It seems like, uh, you know, why would he include the burial part? It's the three days. Why, why the three days in the tomb? Why is that important to believe? Here's why. It's because when Jesus took the sin upon him as the son of God, he took it with him to the grave. And then he took all of the sin of those who would believe on him to hell where it would belong, and he left it there. And hell had no grip on him, no victory over him, and he came up out of the grave declaring, not only did I carry your sin into the grave, but now I'm giving you victory over death. That's why we believe in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, because he all three deliver power to the life of those who believe. That's what the lost have to believe, that Jesus is the Son of God, and that he came, and he died for us. And the last uh, point today is, uh, it's, it's very simple. First, they hear, then they believe, but then the lost call on Jesus. This is very simple. This is what you need to expect that the lost would call on Jesus. Romans 10:13 says this, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Listen, they we can expect that the lost will actually open their mouths and make a declaration of an inward reality. This is what it means to call upon the name of the Lord. This is actually where the church has gotten the tradition of the sinner's prayer. The sinner's prayer is not in the Bible. It's not. But we get those principles from right here. This is where we help those who don't know God through Christ, we help them to call upon his name. Why? Because all who call upon the name of Jesus will be saved. Listen, you need fresh faith with that. Fresh faith and expectation that when someone calls on the name of Jesus in authenticity, they will be saved. We need to expect that people will. Have you ever been in a moment where you just didn't know how things were going to turn out. You were sharing Christ, and, and, and God starts to move, and, and, and you wonder if somebody's going to get saved or you're going to get in trouble or something bad's going to happen. You're like, oh, no, this might be my moment. I remember I had one of those moments. Uh, my oldest was, was, was real small, but we had, uh, we, the Lord led us to, to do these like revival meetings in our living room, and uh, there were all these young people this was before I was in full-time ministry. 
I, I had the world's worst guitar and the world's cheapest keyboard in a living room that was all tile. It was a disaster, okay? But it was a beautiful disaster for Jesus. So we got in there with a terrible sounding guitar and a bad keyboard, and all of these teens would flood my house on a Friday night. And we would worship, God's presence would come down. And I'm telling you, we saw so many people uh, get touched by God, it was incredible. But our, our, our lot was really, really small, and it was on a, on a, on a busy uh, road. And um, so people would fill up my driveway and kind of park in my yard, and then they would just, it would overflow. And so there was this, there was this empty lot that was across the street, and so the cars, they would, they would go over there. So inevitably, it looked like a house party. It just looked like a house party. And, it, you know, it looked like somebody's throwing some kind of a, a, of a get-together. And, of course, there was always somebody outside praying for somebody else. You know, it was always something was happening. And uh, that night, you know, it was incredible. Uh, God was ministering to all the girls. Uh, all the girls, I remember that night, were in the living room. And the girls uh, were, were crying, okay? There's... I love girls. I got four of them with my wife. And oh, it's just so beautiful and emotional, you know. And they were loving on each other, and they're crying, and eating snot all over my floor. It wasn't bad because it was tile. It cleans right up. But all the guys were completely different. The guys, I mean, these guys were former drug dealers. Some of them had just come off of drugs. And, I mean, God was really touching these guys. The girls are crying. The guys are in my kitchen laughing their heads off. They're laughing their heads off, not because they were telling jokes, but because the joy of the Lord touched them. Like there was this kid who came that night. He was suicidal. He was suicidal. And when he placed faith in Christ that night in my living room, uh, in my kitchen, really, we prayed over him. He hits the floor and begins to laugh uncontrollably. There's nothing funny. Matter of fact, my garbage was full, and he was right underneath of it. He was right under the garbage, and there he is. He's laughing. Well, when he got this joy hit him, it hit all the guys. So here's all the guys laughing. All the girls are crying, and then a stranger walked in my house from the bar. I found this out later. He comes in with two guys, you know, some people who had been out front, outside my front door. They were praying for each other, and, and, and they just, they, they, he walked up to them and said, hey, is this where the party is? And the guy says, he says, yeah, man, come on. It's a Holy Ghost party. And the guy's like Catholic. He's Catholic, and he says, uh, like, Holy Ghost? You know, he kind of, he does the, the sign of the genuflection. And he's just like, you know, ah. He says, so this is what he would say after. He said, I stepped into, stepped through the door, and a supernatural presence came over me. And he goes, and I looked down, and I saw the girls crying, and I could hear the guys laughing. And I thought, what have I walked into he then steps around the corner and sees one of the guys who has been praying, and one of the guys used to deal him drugs, and his life had been changed by Christ. 
He preaches Christ, and listen, in that moment, he calls on the name of the Lord. You know, as a dad of somebody who has a, ba- I mean, my, my, my firstborn was an infant when this happened. She's a baby. I'm thinking, man, God, this is either going to go really bad or really good. You know, but a stranger has walked in looking for a party, and literally within moments, he believed on Christ. Now, this, this story would be incredible if it ended there, but it didn't because without knowing the scriptures, this man who had just given his life to Christ, he then grabs his phone and he says, I have got to call my roommate now. And I'm like, oh, Wow. He goes, he needs this bad. He's a druggie. He is, he is messed up. And man, he needs this bad. I'm like, okay. Now, now we all in the room, we know what's coming, right? We got somebody who's on drugs. She's an alcoholic and God only knows what's going to be coming through the door. So now we sound like a Chevy big V8, you know, cause we're all praying in the spirit. We're all praying, right? We're all, we're all going for it. We're all, we're like, God, what are you going to do? Well, he calls him. He, he then, uh, comes to, uh, the um, to my house, this guy shows up, and he is like, uh, I'm telling you, this guy was a giant man, giant man, but he was the the biggest stoner surfer dude ever, ever. He walked up, he walked in the door, he's like, "What's up?" Yeah, I'm like, yeah, and then the guy who's just given his life to Christ tells his whole story to his roommate. He says, man, I walked in here. I was looking for a party. I just left the bar, and these people came. This guy used to sell me drugs, but Jesus changed his life, and I came in here. I just gave my life to Jesus, and you need to give your life to Jesus too. And listen, what, what happens? The lost hear, the lost believe, and you know what they do after that? The lost call on the name of the Lord. It, he began to weep. Because as a child, he had gone, as a young man, he had gone to a a camp and God had changed his life at a camp. And he began to weep and he said, I've been running from God and secretly he's been pulling on my heart and I had nobody to talk to about it. I knew I was supposed to come back to God, but I was staying high to try to avoid what was going on in my heart. I was, I was, I was doing all these other things. He goes, you know, he goes, man, I said, well, do you want to give your life to Christ? He says, I do. And we led him in a prayer. He called on the name of the Lord and we laid hands on him. Now, listen. I told you earlier that you need to learn to live in expectation. Now, what happened next is not my fault. And if you have young kids around you, just cover their ears. Uh, Because I'm going to say it. Uh, (laughs) When we laid hands on him, God touched him by the power of God. He grew up in a, a mainline Baptist church. When we laid hands on him, this giant guy lifts his hands up. He's lifting his eyes, eyes wide open. He's like, ah! lifts his voice. He's shouting in my living room. We're all praying over him. And then we're just kind of done, and we just like look at him. And his eyes are this big around. And he's like, that was better than sex. Just like that. I'm like, 
It is. It is. It is. Yeah. It's better to know God, yes, and to get that part of your life right. And listen, I just want you to know that when the lost call on God, he really saves, and he'll blow their mind. You don't have to. You don't have to be impressive. You're not selling yourself. You're not, you're not saying, hey, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm really good, so be like me. No, no, no. We're presenting Christ, the risen King of glory. And we should expect that when we desire and pray, when we send and when we preach, the lost are going to hear, the lost are going to believe, and the lost are going to call on the name of the Lord, and he's going to change their lives, not you. Not you, but the Spirit of God. And this is what is happening again today. God is reaching out to people. The most unlikely people right now, I believe, are going to get born again. The, most, the, the, the people that you think, no way, not them, not that meth head. God won't change them. Yes, they will. I heard of recently a story from a missionary how uh, a, a prostitute gave her life uh, to, to the Lord. And just in short order, she went from being prostitute to president of the Little League and making a difference in the community. Listen, that is how Jesus changes life. Never forget, you are not preaching you. And it's not just about your eloquence or how many scriptures you know. Will you be led by the Spirit? Is there a desire in you to see Jesus change lives? Are you praying that Jesus would change life? Are you sending others to actually preach and send lives? Are you yourself preaching the gospel in a way uh, that that isn't just, you know, preach it whatever way you want. If you want to hand out tracts, good. If you want to hold a sign, good. I saw a great guy downtown Inverness. He's holding a sign saying, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, holding up a Bible. I'm like, if that's what God tells you to do, great. But if God tells you to go take a meal to your neighbor, take the meal and expect that God is going to do something. Allow your love and your life to preach a gospel. Allow the goodness of God to just say, hey, can I pray for you? Are you facing anything? How are you feeling? And be loving and kind and full of God's presence. And then you can expect they will hear. And they will believe. And they will call on Jesus. Listen, that work doesn't depend on us. It depends on the work of the Holy Spirit. And what God is calling the church to in this hour is to partner with the Spirit like never before. Listen, church, let's be real. We've been partnering with entertainment. And the reason why we've been so slack in sharing the gospel is because we haven't been in tune with the Spirit. But God is turning all the other frequencies down right now. If you had just been turning, I, I, I mean, I, I love what I see. You know, now the sports stations are playing uh, games from a couple years ago. That's, that's what you got to watch. You got to watch a rerun. And you know what? You know what a lot of people do? They're watching reruns. Instead of what? Trying to tune in to God. People are binge watching Netflix right now. They're binge watching reruns, literally, because nothing news coming out. Drive by the movie theater, it says closed. So everything that we've been leaning on, God's turned those frequencies down. And in this moment, God is saying, listen, church, 
I'm coming to you in love. I'm coming to you as a husband comes to a bride. And I'm putting my hand on you in a new and fresh way. And he is speaking to every other voice that's been clogging your ears. And he is saying to those voices, stop. And he's turning his bride back to himself and she is looking at him full in his eyes and if you are that church listen then you too are going to be ones that participate in advancing the kingdom when everybody else is actually going behind their doors this is what god has called us to do she said you say pastor honest okay what do you want me to do well do your part of Romans 10. Desire and pray. 9 a.m. Turn it on wherever you are. Pray with us. Send. Continue to be genu- generous. To, to sow into, into missions. To sow into the kingdom of God. To sow into your neighbors. Do something kind. Give them one of the 25 packs of toilet paper you have in your house. Be generous. You send. And then you preach. This is the hour to lift up your voice. The whole world is looking for a voice of sanity, a voice of clarity in a moment of chaos. And church, you are that voice.